Yep. There we go. Yeah, and, and you remember me, right, Julio? I'm I'm one of the Mormon transhumanists. Uh, I do. Met, yeah, I do. I think uh, I think we met once. Huh? And, um, actually, uh, a couple a couple of times couple that you times. were in Utah. Yeah, must have been. I haven't seen you the last time I have been to Utah for the 2019 conference. No, I was <laughs> but, busy on uh, that one. I definitely remember seeing you at uh, one of the conferences before. I think I had been there in uh, 2012, 2013, and 2014. And after that, 2019. Yeah. I believe 2012 was the very first conference of the NPA. And uh, I was the keynote speaker at that time. It was a good conference. I believe there is no conference this year. And uh, I very much look forward to attending the one next year. Yeah. Uh, speaking of conference, I will have to cut out at 10 o'clock for the LDS general conference starts at 10. Well, <laughs> 10 o'clock oh, my time. So it's five o'clock right now for you, right? Yes. So six o'clock, uh, the LDS conference starts. Oh, well, we're going to cut off uh, before that. Uh, okay, so so what's I, new in your life? What, what have you been up to? You know, the only real news are uh, bad news because my dog died. And uh, we loved our dog very much, so we are uh, uh, very sad since uh, last week when it happened, and we have been uh, living on uh, medications since then. Um, yes. We're still very upset, but you know, of course, these things uh, you uh, you keep missing. Oh, well, yes. it's gone, but um, at some point you do recover uh, the ability to function normally, at least. Uh, let me ask yeah. you, is uh, the sound clear? Sound is clear for me, yes. Right. Uh, I do have uh, some uh, internet connectivity problems now and then. Nothing uh, dramatic and nothing that doesn't solve itself after a couple of seconds. So if uh, at some point uh, you miss my voice, just uh, uh, ask me to say that again. But however, let's uh, uh, do my short introduction. I'm Giulio Prisco. This is a Turing Church meeting and you are listening to the Turing Church podcast. I'm here with uh, James Dreesen to discuss uh, interesting things that are going on. Maybe you want to say something about yourself, James? Yes, uh, uh, I'm a uh, U.S., United States of America resident. Uh, I grew up in northern Wisconsin. Uh, I'm a Packer fan and an LDS, Latter-day Saint Mormon uh transhumanist uh and uh it's uh, my pleasure to uh be here i find the touring church very interesting i have followed you julio probably since the beginning of the touring church and i love yes, the you. name i love the the creative name touring church there's so much into those you know uh those two 
last names and the uh, pun of it being a more of a, now a Sunday morning church or Saturday morning church. Right. Well, in fact, for uh, those who are listening, I'll um, have to say a couple of things about the name. You know, first, this is not really a church. Uh, this is not a service. There are no services. There is no lifestyle prescriptions. There is no sacraments, no rituals, nothing of that. This is essentially a discussion group dedicated to things that are very much related to religion for those who come from uh, a scientific background. Now, one of the main reasons why I dedicate so much time to this is that I feel that uh, we, in these times, uh, with uh, the kind of background that we have, especially in Europe and the US, and especially those of us with a scientific background, we have lost something and we have lost something important. And that something important is the ability to um, relate positively to religion. This is not a problem that many people have in Utah, but here in Europe is very fair. And I face that, you know, we know a lot of science, which is good. We know more and more science, which is even better, but uh, we have lost the ability. For example, when uh, a loved one passes away, we have lost the ability to believe that we will be with that person again. And uh, I know by personal and by others' experience that uh, it can be something completely paralyzing for a person. In, uh, from this point of view, things uh, were much better at the times of our grandfathers, where, uh, you know, more or less uh, everyone sort of believed somebody more and somebody less in an afterlife. I think the concept of an afterlife is entirely compatible with uh, what uh, science is telling us. And I just wish more people realized that for their own personal happiness. What do you think about that, Jen? Oh, I, I agree so much. I, I think there are science deniers everywhere. You're so kind to, to tell us that we're not as bad in Utah, but uh, there, are, there are science deniers everywhere. This, this week, I, uh, well, actually, really since this year, the, uh, the 2022 uh, Nobel Prize in physics, uh, which was you know, a very well given, yeah, Alain Aspect, and 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 uh, and you say science deniers. There are still many Bell deniers. You know, as I refer to John Stuart Bell, J.S. Bell, and his uh, brilliant uh, uh, putting together of uh, an you know, a way to look at the, you know, EPR paradox, the Einstein, Rosen, uh, Podolsky paradox. And, and so currently we have a lot of current events. Uh, there's a lot happening here between science and religion, the, uh, the so-called marriage of the two, which actually has to happen at some point. Uh, if, if the universe 
uh, is a universal force uh, in our lives that causes us to exist. And science is the study of how that happens. It is a marriage made in heaven. And it uh, and and there's a lot happening to that. And 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 touring church has been uh, you know an instrumental part in my life uh, of not being a religion. And uh, I sometimes think that uh, I am definitely not in a religion as as much as I am in an in an investigation of life around me. So that's what I think about that. You asked, and there's yeah, kind of my short answer. Uh, that's also what, what I think. And you know, uh, in a marriage, um, it has to be two persons to, who agree to be married. If that happens, then everyone is happy. Unfortunately, these days, uh, you know, uh, many, people who come from a science background, like myself, I am a theoretical physicist by training and I have worked in science for many years, a couple of decades actually, but uh, many people who share my same background, they have uh, a knee-jerk reaction and a very strong one whenever they hear anything that sounds like religion. Yes. Uh, I, that's uh, understandable, and uh, that's a discussion I often have when I come to Utah. Strangely, there are many people for whom their uh, religious uh, upbringing has not been such a good experience as it should be. Many people had a bad experience with organized religion, and therefore they tend to reject anything that sounds like religion. And that happens, I think, because they are afraid of falling back into a religion that they are trying to get away from. That is my impression, at least. And I think we should do something about that, because I believe happiness is an important thing. And uh, living in uh, despair is not something that uh, helps being happy. As simple as that. Well, but do, do you really think that um, religion is the solution for happiness? Um, uh, I think a lot of... Well, you know... Um, there are many solutions for happiness, I believe, and uh, I think everyone should be able to find uh, his own. But uh, as a matter of fact, and this is a fact, religion has been a solution for happiness for many people in history. We still want today so that, you know, if uh, something works, we should at least try to make it work for us since we know it works for others, we should at least try to make it work for us ourselves before rejecting it. And here, uh, I like to think, and I hope that my own uh, small uh, efforts to at least stimulate some kind of dialogue 
between science and uh, religion. I like to think that these little efforts of mine could uh, play a positive role for some people at least. Well, as we are on this uh, broad-minded uh, topic, what do you think of this, this, these other interactions right now between what I just spoke about, the quantum physics and, uh, you know, Bell's inequality and, and the scientific movement we have there? Right. Well, um, mm -hmm. as well as with, with consciousness and AI, you know, GPT-4 mm -hmm. yeah. uh, just came out and... Um, the one glaring thing that I have immediately noticed with GPT-4 is if you start doing any kind of testing of GPT-4, uh, like I do, I'm, I'm very versed in um, what we call IEM. It's, um, it, it, it's uh, immunity to air through misidentification, which is in a sense a a human actualization for consciousness has a lot to do with skepticism and disbelief. And sometimes I will test GPT-4 to see if, if it has that capability. And soon as I go down that path, I get the immediate asterisk warning saying, please change this topic because they are worried about the legalities of right. claiming any kind of consciousness in, in a chat uh, AI. And yes. I find this so exciting and interesting because it kind of fulfills what I've been leaning towards. I, you know, G, uh, uh, Julio, I'm, um, uh, I am an, uh, an attorney by trade and I, I know have to use experts to convince juries. That's what I do for a living and understanding consciousness and how it works so that I can get people to change their minds in a jury and how to use experts to put it together. And, and so this is this hobby of mine of studying uh, consciousness and things has led me to that. But my, back to my question, what do you think of that interaction between quantum physics and all the exciting things we're finding there and the consciousness aspects of AI. Oh, well, that's a uh, big question. That's, uh, yeah, but that's really my favorite discussion topic these days. Uh, let's, uh, oh, let me start saying that I was very happy in October to see that the Nobel Prize for Physics went to John Closer and uh, Alan Specht and Anthony Zeilinger for their studies on Bell's theorem, especially the experimental confirmation thereof and uh, quantum entanglement theory in general. I was very happy because uh, first, I think these are the most important open questions in physics at this moment. And second, because uh, there has been for uh, decades uh, a tendency to consider these studies uh, too politically incorrect uh, between brackets to be taken seriously. And, you know, this was uh, a demonstration that now everyone has to take these things seriously. And uh, this is good. I do expect a lot uh, of uh, breakthroughs from uh, works 
in uh, quantum foundations in uh, uh, the next few decades. That is going to happen. Now, how does it relate to these uh, developments in artificial intelligence that so many people are discussing these days? Mm, I think at this moment, not so much, but uh, these uh, two lines of research will eventually converge, I believe. Uh, now, let me say a couple of things about these AI discussions first. Ah, by the way, since uh, your video is uh, switched off, just say something every now and then, so I know that I haven't lost you. Oh, Still here. Okay, video back, but, uh, you know, you can turn it off. It's even better to say bandwidth, but just say something now and then. So why is everyone talking of AI these days? We have been all uh, playing with uh, chat GPT based on chat, uh, based on GPT-3 in the last few months. Now there is also uh, a version based on chat GPT-4, which I haven't tried yet. I have uh, tried uh, the Microsoft uh, Bing equivalent, which they say is based on uh, something that they call uh, GPT-3.5, whatever that is. Mm, yeah, that's my... the one I'm talking about. They 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 announced like two days ago that it is now GPT four, um, the three point five GPT four. They they think they are now there, but but it's I Microsoft see. versions, and so the Microsoft attorneys uh, themselves do limit what you're going to get on Bing. And... And by the way, there's this news that I was just reading that uh, Chat GPT has been entirely banned in Italy yesterday. Oh, uh, new news! I won't, uh, I won't even comment on that. Uh, you know, I'm Italian myself. I don't live in Italy, so I can still use it, but uh, I don't want to say too many bad things about my government. But this is all bullshit. But let's uh, move uh, from this it's to political, perhaps. So my own experience with uh, GPT have been interesting. Mm, I'm not extremely impressed, but I am impressed. Uh, I discussed uh, many things, uh, no, um, especially my own favorite uh, metaphysical uh, subjects with uh, Chad GPT. And it always gave a good Wikipedia level summary of uh, the current situation, but uh, I could uh, catch it uh, making mistakes, mm, some bad mistakes as well. So at this moment, yes. I am impressed. I do not think what ChatGPT does qualifies as passing the Turing test yet. But I think we are getting there soon. Mm, and what's going to happen after that? Oh, you know, if you see what has happened in the world of uh, games like uh, chess or Go, uh, what did happen is that uh, AIs became very rapidly better players than humans. 
And I think at this moment, no people could really compete against an artificial intelligence at chess, and I guess at Go as well. Uh, now, uh, chat GPT shows that uh, the scope of application of artificial intelligence is much bigger than that. And so that I don't really have any doubt that very soon, sooner than we expect, artificial intelligence will be much better than humans at doing most things, at least better than human as doing all the things that can be done uh, uh, remotely on a computer. So I don't expect to see AI firefighters yet, but you know, putting together robotics and artificial intelligence, sooner or later we will have AI firefighters as well. So that I think, yes, what is going to happen is that AIs uh, will be better than us at uh, doing uh, most things. We, AIs will be better than us at uh, most uh, jobs. And all that is likely to happen within our lifetimes. This is going to be a problem to which uh, society we have to find a response. What I believe myself is that uh, if we want to adjust to what uh, could be a very major social change, we will have to introduce something like basic income everywhere that will give us the time to learn how to live in this new world. Uh, but now this is what normally happens to society when new technologies are introduced, even if this time things may be going faster than in the past. But uh, some uh, people are even more worried than that. For example, I guess you have seen this letter issued yesterday by the Future of Life Institute recommending that all governments issue a moratorium on uh, artificial intelligence uh, research. Of I six did months, see that. Uh, at least. Yes, I did see that. Mm. Uh, now, that letter has been signed by many people. It has been signed, for example, by, by uh, Elon Musk, who is a person whom I admire very much. And it has been signed by other person that uh, I admire very much. Now, I didn't want to sign that letter. Um, uh, I'm not Elon Musk, of course, but uh, the FLI invited everyone to sign the letter, not only celebrities like Elon Musk. Now, I didn't want to sign for two reasons. The first is a practical reason, and which is that, you know, um, it is impossible to issue a worldwide ban on AI research, even if it were desirable, which I don't think it is. I'm going to come to that later. It would be impossible because what would happen, even if all nations agree, even if all governments officially say that they are stopping research in AI, even if they all say that, 
how many nations would actually do that? I think none. Yeah, you can't control it. You cannot I control think, it. Uh, maybe the US government would uh, say that it is stopping AI research, but I'm sure there would be military research programs on advanced AI. Of course, the same would happen in China, the same would happen in Iran, the same would happen in uh, North Korea. And you see where it goes in view of that. Uh, uh, I don't think the US government should even consider that. I don't think any government should even consider that. If not, uh, uh, without even speaking of rogue nations, I think all large corporations would continue to do underground research in AI. And you know, also criminal elements would do their own research in AI. Think of these uh, groups uh, that uh, engage with uh, money laundering at the largest scale using all uh, uh, modern uh, fintech tools um, to recycle the money coming from uh, drugs, uh, arms sales, uh, and all that. They have the resources and they have the motivation to get a competitive edge. And they would simply use that. So, you, you know, uh, what happens as a result on the war of drugs, my own personal opinion, is that it uh, put something which could have been and should have been very normal into the hands of uh, criminals that are doing a lot of damage to society. So, uh, you know, for many reasons, I don't think a ban on AI should be put in place. And uh, I don't think it uh, could be put in place, it's just impossible. So if it is impossible, let's just continue to do research on AI in the open. Let's uh, continue to let uh, scientists share the fruits of their research. And uh, let's hope for the best. What uh, so many times uh, hoping for the best is the best you can do. It doesn't mean that one has to be reckless, but uh, I mean, a completely riskless life um, is not something that exists in the real world. And I don't think it should exist. But now, even leaving aside this consideration of a practical nature, um, if uh, I think long term, but really long term, before uh, beyond uh, my own lifetime, beyond the lifetime of uh, my grandchildren, what are these things like ChatGPT? They are very preliminary versions of uh, what uh, will be our own mind children using uh, Hans Moravec's term. Those who will um, eventually <coughs> replace yeah. uh, organic humans as the dominant uh, life uh, form on this planet, eventually move out into the solar system, eventually move out uh, among the stars, and eventually taking up a cosmic role that uh, will be something good. 
uh, have been reading again in the last couple of days. This uh, the last book of uh, James Lovelock, the guy who invented the uh, Gaia world yes. for the living system, which is our planet. And that's what he says in the book, that we are moving from the Anthropocene, which has been a moment in history dominated by human ability to intervene at industrial level on the planet, to what he calls Nova Scene. And the Nova Scene, which succeeds the Anthropocene, will be the age of artificial intelligence. What he thinks is that uh, that's a foregone conclusion that this will happen and that uh, it will be our artificial intelligent mind children to continue the task that we have started to make the universe a more and more intelligent place and perhaps uh, this will lead to the development of a universal mind. Now, when I think that this may be the cosmic role of these little uh, AIs that we are beginning to understand how to build, then I think that uh, this is our cosmic role as well. If what we have to do is to replace ourselves with uh, new beings that uh, will continue our work and bring intelligence out there among the stars. I myself at least feel uh, very happy to be of being a little part of a species that is playing uh, this role. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I will comment on that. I think that it is our choice if we are going to have a robot apocalypse, okay? If we fight all of these things and try to prevent them from happening, they are going to happen anyway, and then we will have a robot apocalypse. If we go along with this, become a part of it, and actually the creators of it, then there is no apocalypse. We are a part of it and joining with it. And it makes a whole lot more sense the second way to be a part of it than to create this apocalypse ourselves. Just like you mentioned, the war on drugs did was increase the desire and um, profitability of drugs. And it has the exact opposite effect. And that is my fear here, is that if we try to stop this and fight this, instead of being the creators of it, we will never understand it. And then when it does eventually happen, then we will have created our own problem. We will have made our bed and have to sleep in it. This is, this is why uh, you know, what the work that you are doing and others is so important. And I'm glad you did not sign this document because it is a document for disaster. Uh, 
Right. We need we need to engage and very important to engage uh, so that we do understand these things as humanity and and not fear humanity plus. Right. Now, suppose the Nova scene happens, this uh, AI takeover happens and they become the dominant species of life in our solar system and then beyond. Now, where does that leave us humans? Um, in view of the fact that we are playing this important cosmic role, I could even make peace with the idea that at some point uh, humanity will be extinct. But I don't think that will happen. Why? Because uh, I um, agree with uh, Ray Kurzweil that um, you know, the evolution of humans and the evolution of machine intelligence is not going to remain separated forever. We are going to co-evolve. And that uh, would happen, uh, I mean, uh, as soon as we start seeing the first artificial intelligent brain implants for people and the first mind grafts from human uploads into artificial intelligences, then we will know that this fusion has started. Uh, there will be more and more artificial intelligence in humans, ourselves. There will be more human, in, uh, there will be more human intelligence within machines. And uh, I think this could happen fast once we have operational mind uploading technology, which might happen, uh, I think, uh, perhaps before the end of the century. At that point, we will be able to uh, uh, re-instantiate the consciousness stream of a human person within a machine. At that point, uh, you know, um, talking to any futuristic uh, person-human-AI hybrid, you will not be able to answer the question, how much is a human and how much is an AI? And I think the question won't even make sense. This is what I mean by co-evolution of uh, humans and machines. And this I is like what the I word think will happen. So that co-evolution. Uh, yeah, uh, they will go to the stars. But they will not go to the stars in our place. They will carry us to the stars because we will be part of them. Uh, the, so the form of life that will spread out from the solar system will not be, in, uh, will not be organic humans. It will not be intelligent machines. It will be a merge, a combination, and a synthesis of both. And I think this is a very nice future to aspire to. I, I agree. You, you went way back to the beginning of this conversation. You used the word better. What's better? And I think that is a qualifier that uh, 
is a problem in some people's minds that they feel replacement and not improvement. And this is a hard problem in society. It's a, uh, uh, it's a hard problem. I mean, cause we're talking about consciousness, David Chalmers, uh, hard problem of consciousness is going to end up being the easier solution the, the, the so 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 the but for our viewers you know hard problem is the philosophical explanation for what consciousness is intentionality philosophically why and how humans have qualia or phenomenal experiences it, it has been inexplicable i think that's actually the easy solution is we finally figure out what that is the simple what what is life right. about why are we we here where are we going that that when it when the solution comes it will be an easy one sentence kind of solution the easy problem of consciousness or in other words where biologically does consciousness take place uh that has always been the easy problem because we say oh it's in the brain that's easy that's where consciousness is but it is so much more complex. You've got um, uh, people like Penrose and Hammerhoff, uh, you know, saying that the microtubules in the in the brain are actually quantum computers, and they, so complex. And so that's why I think that um, things like LLM, large language models, Chat GPT. They are actually rudimentary answers to the easy problem. And that's why it looks like consciousness. But there's a simple solution that's going to come soon that solves the hard problem. And that's getting back to what you said. Will that be better? I don't think humans need to do that. We're, the, we're doing it. It's going to happen. We be a part of it, this solution, and, and then it will not be scary. And it's not going to replace us. Oh. The way to not be replaced is to join. <laughs> the, the sure way to be replaced is to fight things that are inevitable. If you fight right. the inevitable, then you will be replaced. And if you think that it's going to be worse instead of better, you will be replaced. If you make it better, then it will be better. And that's that uh, that is our, you know, for our uh, religious talk that we opened with, that is our hope and prayer that we will join and make it better. If we continue to fight the expanse, the cosmological expanse, well then, yeah, you will fall behind. You will be replaced. But if you join in the expanse, you will be an important part of it. Those are my ideas and, and philosophies. And, and I think you have very eloquently uh, stated your reasons why, you know, you did not want to sign that document. And I think, I think whoever may see this, this small, 
meeting between you and I, uh, uh, they, they will have to agree. It is better to join to make things better than it is to fight it and be replaced. Well, there are a lot of people who agree. Uh, Robin Hanson agrees. Michael Schreiber agrees. Max Moore. Uh, I've seen many top thinkers that uh, I admire agree in refusing to sign that letter. Uh, not everyone, but uh, let's uh, go back to this uh, consciousness thing. Okay. Um, because, uh, you know, you said that, uh, that our consciousness will merge into machine consciousness will be a good outcome. And I agree with that, but we haven't established that uh, machine intelligence can be conscious at this moment. And let's uh, move on. It kind on. of cannot be, I think. I think they're saying that that chat GPT, which is, you know, Chinese room, it's just a computer input words, output words, you know, the Chinese room yes, thought experiment. Okay. Yes, okay. So, so chat BT, chat GPT can be intelligence. It cannot be consciousness, but we need intelligence as and, an element of consciousness. Right. Uh, so, you know, let me start with uh, my own evolution when thinking about these things. Like uh, 20 years ago, um, I sort of assumed that uh, future intelligent machines would be conscious in exactly the same way as I am conscious uh, with uh, some different uh, texture of consciousness, probably, but they would be conscious just like I am. Then, and especially in the last uh, few years, I have been having doubts, not on the possibility for uh, generic machine intelligences to be conscious, but on the possibility for the kind of digital computers that we know how to build today to be conscious. Uh, so that a future quantum computer might be conscious, I thought, but uh, a conventional silicon computer that uh, we know how to build now could not be. This is what I thought until a few months ago. Why? Uh, well, because, you know, um, Going back to your uh, uh, comment that people like Roger Penrose think that quantum effects play an important role in human cognition uh, with all the quantum weirdness that it implies, uncertainty, indetermination. Uh, if our brain are fundamentally quantum, then one would think that they are not strictly deterministic system so that they can escape Laplacian determinism and leave uh, some room for consciousness and free will, uh, but not 
today's uh, digital computers. Mm, today's digital computers are built in a way that ensures that an input is followed by one and always the same output. That means they are entirely deterministic system. And I thought that this doesn't uh, and cannot go together with consciousness and free will. So in summary, what I thought is that yes, future quantum computers could be conscious, but today's digital computers could not. This is what I thought until a few months ago. Um, Julio, are you familiar with the term scaling? Yes. As into quantum computing. So that is that qubits, of course, involve Hilbert space, and one qubit is so much more data than the classical classical computing ones and zeros. And so we have to scale that. The, the, the com quantum computer computes things on a much grander scale, but for uh, quantum, uh, you know, collapse for no better word of it, which is really for humans to understand what it is the quantum computer just computed, we have to use scaling. And that is where algorithms become absolutely necessary. We, we say that that algorithms cannot result in consciousness. And I agree with, with uh, Hammeroff and Penrose that algorithms cannot be consciousness, but we need those algorithms for the scaling yes. to understand the universe and how the universe uh, how the universe calculates our reality, that's where algorithms will actually be the easy solution to the hard problem. Uh, and I know that is very counterintuitive. You think a hard problem has to have a hard solution and an easy problem has an easy solution. It's exactly the opposite. The hard problem will be the algorithm and the the large language model type of complexity that we're getting now is the easy solution. This, this is my thought. And that's, that's why I think that, that there is just not going to be ever any hard scientific data as to what makes consciousness in mammals and humans. And I loved you opened this whole thing. You told me about, I don't know, before you started recording, you mentioned that you're, your your doggy died. Yes, and, it did. And and how in the world can any human being question whether your doggy was conscious? I mean, dogs are conscious, and as we define consciousness, if if you want to tell me that that your dog was not conscious, I am so opposed to that. It's evil. It's wrong. So am I. Yeah. And so so I think that that, you know, getting back to to what you're talking about, that that this this is we are on the cusp. Ray Kurzweil, you know, calls it a singularity when the, I, I, at least that's a simple de simplification of his definition. When the mind upload happens. That is the singularity. Uh, do you agree? 
Uh, I don't really think that will be a hard uh, takeoff singularity that we could recognize as such. Mm, I mean, uh, you could argue that uh, from the point of view of our grandfathers, we are living through the singularity now. Uh, if you look at today's world, uh, if you try to look at today's world from the eyes of your grandfather, you'll see all these kids uh, typing something on their cell phone, 24 hours, uh, chatting with each other, uh, exchanging videos and social network and all that. Um, I mean, that is quite a different life from uh, the time of our grandfathers. And that is a kind of world that perhaps our grandfathers could not really understand. I think something like that will happen. There will be things that we would find impossible to understand, but our grandchildren who will live through these things, they will find them uh, uh, normal business as usual. So it uh, does depend on uh, the perspective. What would be a singularity from our point of view will not be a singularity from the point of view of those who are living through whatever we would call a singularity. That's what I think, more or less. I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I am in total agreement now that you said it. No, I don't think I'm going to have the time today because you say that you have to leave in, I believe, 10 minutes ten, or less. 10 minutes, yes. Right. Uh, I'm not going to be able to say all that I want to say as a continuation of the last thing that we were discussing, which is uh, why I have kind of softened my stance on the possibility of uh, real consciousness in uh, even uh, today's silicon machines. Uh, I just uh, would like to give you a flavor of that. Let's continue the discussion another time, perhaps at next month's uh, Turing Church meeting. So, um, let me start with uh, an alternative view on the concept of determinism. Uh, more or less, we all know what that means. It means that, you know, from cause follows effect and all these things go forward in time. So the state of the world right now uh, uh, determines the state of the world one second from now and then one more second and so on. Determinism from the past to the future. This is what more or less everyone understands when they tell us that we are living in a deterministic universe, that we live in a universe where the past determines the future with influences that can only go slower than the speed of life. Uh, is this your understanding of determinism, more or less? That's a fair, yes, fair right. definition. Now, I have recently realized, and uh, if you look at my website, you find uh, many posts and uh, videos when I discuss this. I have recently realized that there is a more flexible um, concept of determinism 
which goes together very well with ideas like uh, free will. And uh, a name for this can be global determinism. Uh, what does that mean? It means that uh, according to this philosophical perspective, there can be only one universe indeed, but uh, the unique solution, which is the history of the universe, cannot necessarily be found, be always found by evolving the universe from the past toward the future. It's more like, uh, you know, the whole of uh, history is determined uh, all at once from uh, global criteria. Um, I know that in a few seconds, I've uh, probably been unable to explain this concept as I'd like to, but just look in my website, turingchurch.com at the last few posts, and especially the interviews with a researcher called Emily Adram. Uh, now, assuming that, I'm going to end with um, a little story, which will be interesting for the lawyer in you. It's a story I read in uh, the last book of Tim Palmer, a physicist. Uh, the book is called The Primacy of Doubt. Look for my review. Now, there is uh, this guy who goes into court and it has been accused of committing a crime. Let's think he has done uh, something very bad and the judge is about to judge him. Are you still, are you still with me, James? I am here. Right. So the guy said, look, I'm not guilty. And I'm not guilty because it was not me who made the decision to do whatever I had done. But since we live in a deterministic universe, I have been forced to do whatever I have done by the structure of reality. And that's why I am pleading not guilty. The judge says that, look, you are determined by the rest of reality, but since you are an integral part of reality, then also the rest of reality is determined by you. In a feedback loop that cannot be separated in what you choose, and what the universe chooses. And therefore, since you are a part of whatever has made uh, the choice of doing whatever you have done, then you are guilty. And so the judge condemns him. Uh, now, I do think that, uh, well, first you have to go so we, don't, so we don't have time to complete the discussion, but I think this is a very nice, uh, illustration of the fact that uh, if the universe is deterministic uh, in a global sense, but not in a Laplacian past to future sense, 
then we do have something which is an entirely acceptable concept of free will. And if we do have free will only by virtue of the fact that we are a physical system, which is an integral part of the universe, then, you know, if I can say that about myself, then a machine can say exactly the same thing about itself. Uh, did I make sense? Yes, I, I am with you. I think that the, the, not only is free will deterministic, not only is it compatible with determinism, that, it, that free will has to be deterministic. And I am going to go out and read what you said on your posts so that we can revisit this next time because I think it is a wonderful thought experiment, especially for a person like me, because I can very well picture the judge. I can picture the characters in this thought experiment and trying to prove that he is not guilty for lack of intent uh, and and see why the judge will come up with the decision that the judge comes up with. I think it's a wonderful and fun way to look at this. And uh, I, I so much enjoyed our, our little talk today. Sorry, I have to cut so it did short. I. So did I. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. I, uh, I will... Uh, do as you ask and, and, and go read your last couple posts and save that for our next visit. So thank you very much for joining me. And I look forward to seeing you another time. All right. Thank you for, for having this uh, touring church meeting today. Look forward to you next time also. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.